TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Yeah. I forgot this was going to be played. This is how much I love you, St. Louis. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not my fave. But listen, you asked and you shall receive. Rebecca Black, Friday, leading into the last hour of At Your Service with Brad Young. Thanks Thanks for all your cards and votes. And remember, just like Chicago... Next week, you can vote early and often. So appreciate your participation there. Hey, Bob is calling in uh, this evening to talk about some barbecue. Hey, Bob, welcome to Camo X. Hey, yeah, well, welcome. Uh, look, uh, I grew up in St. Louis, uh, went to Mizzou, but I got into uh, teaching overseas. Now I live in Texas, and I just listened to your top 10 yep. barbecue joints. Our places, towns. I mean, that is so far off. In Texas, every town has a world beater barbecue place. I mean, well, Texas is like the Mecca, the holy yeah. land of barbecue. It's not even close. I've had St. Louis barbecue, and I love St. Louis, and I've had Kansas City barbecue. Uh, I think the only one that I know that even compares is Memphis, but Every town in Texas has uh, mouth-watering, knock-down-the-doors-bar barbecue. Well, there's uh, a reason why, Bob. There's a reason why I think Texas is not on the list. Because if there were only 10 slots, and if they were all 10 in Texas, it wouldn't be much of a, of a ranking. So I, I'm guessing that because Texas is kind of like the Republic of Texas, it's a it's a country yeah. in of itself that they excluded right it because it wouldn't be fair otherwise. You are right about that. I I thought that I thought that myself, but they've like totally ignored it. So I mean, anybody who's been to Texas knows there's no barbecue like they make down here. I mean, it's it's wonderful. Almost every little town. You stop in a little garage or whatever, they've got mm-hmm. wonderful uh, barbecue. So, so just yeah, like, so fun. just like, so just like the January sixth shaman, who's represented by Al Watkins here in St. Louis, you're questioning the legitimacy of this particular vote. That's what I'm hearing from you. 
I don't know how you can uh, relate it to that to that January sixth thing, but uh, if you if you want to get into that, that no, 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 no. Uh, I, I I was just I, 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 I was just looking at you as the barbecue shaman who's questioning the legitimacy of the barbecue vote. Right, I've got my furs. You got your, your Viking, your Viking helmet. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm riding here through Texas. I just left Houston today. My family, uh, my daughters live in San Antonio. We're on our way to Kerrville, which uh, famously or infamously is the hometown of John, Johnny Manziel. You might remember him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I was in Texas once. It wasn't at a barbecue place, but I went to eat at one of these steakhouses that said, if you could eat the steak, you get it for free. Have you ever been to one of those yeah. places in Texas? Well, and it was, and, and, the one, there's the famous one in, uh, in Amarillo. That's where, that's the one that I went to in Amarillo. Yeah. And I was so, Bob, I was so tempted to get that steak because they said, if you could eat it all, you get it for free. But when I looked at the fine print, you know, I'm a lawyer. I always look at the fine print. The fine print wasn't that you just had to eat the steak, but you had to eat the steak and the salad and the potato and the vegetables. And I'm like, oh, come on. Now you're no, no, nobody's going to do that. But it, yeah, I could eat a 50 too. ounce steak. I think it's 72 ounces. 72. Well, have and you ever you been? You got to eat it in an hour. You got an hour. They got a clock on it. Yeah. They put you on a stage in front of yep. everybody <laughs> while they go to eat their normal meals. And they got the clock above them. And uh, <laughs> you know who? You know who won, who is the all-time record no, winner? No, no, tell a, me. A lady from Nebraska. Really? A lady. A lady. And she, and she ate two of them. No, she I ate mean, two I, of I, them? That's what, they, that's what they say up there. I mean, I, I didn't see it, but uh, oh. she, they've got her picture up on the, you know, like uh, the greatest of all time. I don't, I don't know that they would have her picture or her tombstone, you know? I mean, my goodness, it could kill you. Yeah, she probably she probably disappeared after that. <laughs> well, hey Bob, Whatever. I appreciate it. even though you're uh, you're in Texas, you're a St. Louisan at heart, my friend. Thanks for uh, thanks for I calling in this St. evening. Louis. It's my home. I uh, it'll always be in my heart. But I love Texas. Texas is a wonderful place. Uh, I used to work for the Cardinals in their minor league organization years ago, so uh, I have a lot of my lot of connection to the city. It's still in my heart. Well, very good, my friend. Hey, thanks for calling in this evening. All right. Thanks you for take, me. You take Adios. care. Bye-bye. Adios. Hey, when we come back from this break, uh, more of your calls, more of your texts here on Camo X at Your Service with Brad Young. We'll be right back. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 1015, sponsored by Bath Fitter on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. I'm almost afraid to say at your service because we're talking about food and I have to start serving Mike some food because Mike is really getting hungry here in the studio. We're talking about this. Uh, <laughs> we had, Bob, I think it was Bob that called in from Texas, uh, originally from St. Louis. And we started talking about this place called the Big Texan. I've, I've eaten there one time and, uh, and I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it's a 72-ounce steak and you've got to eat for the challenge. You have to eat the entire steak. 
But, you know, that's kind of doable. I mean, that's something that maybe, maybe you could choke down a steak that size. Uh, but that's not what you got to do. You've got one hour and you have to eat the steak. You have to eat the baked potato. You have to eat the salad. And this is the part that I forgot. You got to eat the shrimp cocktail that goes with it. And you got to eat the whole thing in one hour. You've only got one hour to do it. You cannot stand up. You cannot go to the bathroom. You cannot leave the table. Uh, you can't do any. You have to sit down and then start eating, and the clock goes. And if you don't finish the entire steak, you got to pay the full $72 tab for that meal. That's that's a pretty pricey challenge. Now, I got to tell you, my, my, my dad was a milkman before he went into the coal mines. And... Uh, and he, he, he would always love to tell the story that on one time <clears throat> he sat down, he was hungry, he didn't eat breakfast before he went. So he comes home and my mom fixes him the following. And this is what he ate in one meal. He ate a dozen eggs, a pound of bacon, and a loaf of bread in one setting. Well, I could probably eat the, the dozen eggs. I know I could eat a pound of bacon without any problem. Mike's shaking his head. Oh, yeah. But it's that loaf of bread that would just start to swell. Man, you uh, that's the part that amazes me. But if you're thinking about a 72-ounce steak at the Big Texan in Amarillo, Texas, if, if you like to eat, you know, that would be the place to go for the challenge. Uh, there's changing topics here. There's another challenge that that is going to be occurring, and it's going to be occurring on the International Space Station. Now, let me set this up in context. Even if you weren't alive in the 1950s or in the 1960s, you know that we had this space race with the Russians. And ostensibly, it was about getting to the moon. It was about getting into outer space. But really, it was all just public relations cover for military programs, for ICBMs. And uh, and so that's why there was such an emphasis placed uh, on getting us to the moon and getting us into outer space because it was the next arms race to develop intercontinental ballistic missiles and to develop the militarization of space. So we had this giant space race, and the Russians actually got to space first. But, of course, as everyone knows, we got to the moon first. And so that's how that got resolved. Well, there's a new space race going on right now. It's between Tom Cruise and the Russians. Uh, you know, my money's on Tom Cruise because, you know, if that guy can break in to the CIA on that wire, you know, where he's going down the wire and he's breaking in on the first Mission Impossible movie and and uh, he's, he's uh, making sure he doesn't hit the floor and he does the balancing act. I mean, that's who my money's on is Tom Cruise. But... What the, what the race is for is this. Tom Cruise has announced that he and one of his uh, uh, movie production partners, I think it's Doug Lyman, are going to shoot a movie on the International Space Station. And right now they're tentatively scheduled. They've already partnered with Elon Musk. Elon Musk is going to give them the rocket to go up to the space station. They've gotten permission from NASA. And they're going to shoot a movie on the space station. It's not a Mission Impossible movie. But it's some sort of an action-adventure movie, as you would expect it to be if you're shooting it in outer space, literally. So they're going to do that. But they're not scheduled to go until the end of October. 
middle to end of October. But today, uh, the Russian space agency announced that they are sending an actress and a director to the space station on October the 5th to shoot their own movie on the space station. So now we've got this new space race going on about who is going to uh, who is going to be able to shoot the first movie in outer space, the first real movie in outer space. Now, I've only seen a couple of Russian movies uh, in, in my life, and uh, folks, I got to tell you, they weren't exactly blockbuster movies. You know, I mean, if you've seen Plan Nine from Outer Space, that's kind of the level of the movie making quality that I've seen from some Russian movies in my day. So I don't know what kind of movie this is going to be uh, on the space station, but uh, but uh, even if they're not the first, even if Tom Cruise isn't the first, I'm banking that it's certainly going to be the best. And again, they had to partner with Elon Musk to get there. And and the reason why I mentioned Elon Musk is this. Uh, there's been another fatal crash of a Tesla. And the uh, U.S. National Highway and Traffic, Traffic Safety Administration is launching this new investigation involving a Tesla vehicle. And as I started looking into this today... I didn't realize that there have been investigations now into 29 Tesla-involved crashes. And of those 29 crashes that are being investigated, I don't know if they're all involving fatalities, but presumably it would have to be at least a fatality or someone was seriously injured. Otherwise, the, the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration isn't going to investigate somebody that backs into a garbage can. So it has to be something rather significant. But 25 of those are still underway. And the one that happened just this week is that a, a driver of a Model 3 Tesla died on the scene following a collision with a, a semi-tractor in Southern California. I think it was about two weeks ago now that I think about it. But here's the point that I wanted to make about this type of investigation. You've seen all of the lawyer commercials. Have you been injured in an accident? You may be entitled to compensation, right? We've all seen those. We've all heard them. We all know the law firms that advertise. But the basis of the personal injury litigation business in America is based upon the negligence of the driver. And because the driver is negligent, then the negligent driver or his or her insurance carrier owe money to the injured party. How is that going to work with driverless autonomous vehicles? Who is the negligent party? If you're in a Tesla and it's in the self-driving mode and the Tesla crashes and you're in your car, how do you sue somebody and allege negligence if they are in a self-driving car? Is the basis for the negligence that you weren't driving that you were allowing the artificial intelligence of the Tesla to drive the car? Or is your lawsuit against Tesla stating that there must be negligence in the design and in the manufacturing of that automobile that caused your car to crash into me? Those are two possible viable ways of negligence. But the problem that you get into is, is if Tesla is going to be responsible for every car crash that a Tesla is involved in, the Tesla cars will have to cost a half a million dollars a piece. Now, I'm being somewhat facetious, 
but the cars would be exorbitantly expensive because they would have to pay out all of the all of the uh, costs of all the personal injury lawsuits involved with wrecks. So I think there's a better way. And I think over the next few years, you're going to see this trend develop now that we're fully embracing autonomous vehicles. And we've got a great example. How many 151 million Americans have received a vaccination shot? If you develop a problem from that vaccination, can you sue Pfizer? Can you sue Johnson & Johnson? Can you sue Moderna? The answer is no. Under federal law, those companies are shielded from liability for the vaccine. But that doesn't mean that you're out of luck. There's actually a federal pool of money that is funded, at least before the COVID-19 vaccination, it was funded in part by the cost of the vaccine and money went into a national fund. And if you had a severe reaction to a vaccine, you could sue that fund to collect money from that. And that would shield the manufacturer to allow them to produce the product, but not be sued into oblivion and into bankruptcy because a few cases might go south and people get sick from it. So that was the concept with vaccines. Why can't that same concept be used for autonomous vehicles that don't have drivers? Because there's no negligence. Uh, The car is designed to operate. Something went wrong. It doesn't mean that someone was negligent. But you could create a fund and that when people purchase the car, it would go into a fund as opposed to making Tesla personally responsible for the liability for every single car accident involving a Tesla. Hopefully that kind of law will develop over the next few years and uh, it will make our driving uh, much safer because, listen, I would trust, honestly, a car to, to some of the people that I've seen behind the wheel uh, driving down the highway who are texting, drinking, and sleeping all at the same time. You know, I'd, I think I'd trust a, a Tesla computer before I would, I would trust them. Hey, when we come back from this break, speaking of computers... We're going to talk to a computer expert and cyber expert, Nick Powers, talking about the the pipeline, the colonial pipeline that was hacked and is resulting in gasoline shortages and gasoline uh, 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 cars lining up at the gas pumps. It's like the 1970s out there with these gas lines. We're going to talk to computer expert Nick Powers after this break on Camo X at your service. Don't go away. Keep pace with the latest locally. Ask your smart speaker to play KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young here on KMOX. And undoubtedly, you've heard about the pipeline shutdown, the Colonial Pipeline. It supplies 45% of the East Coast gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. And it's been shut down for the better part of a week and I think today there was some news that it's just now coming back online. But but to help us understand the basis for the pipeline shutdown, I reached out to cybersecurity expert Nick Powers. He's the vice president of the technology consulting firm uh, Uncommon, based over he's based at Scott Air Force Base in O'Fallon, Illinois. Hey, Nick Powers, thanks for joining us this evening on CamelX. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Brad. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you. Now, uh, the the shutdown was apparently the result of the ransomware attack, and and uh, the news that just came out today was that the the uh, apparently Colonial Pipeline paid five million dollars to these folks. But just walk us through, Nick Powers. How does a ransomware cyber attack? How does it happen? 
Yeah, Brad. So there's there's a few ways it happens. Um, the typical way that it happens is these ransomware um, cyber criminals actually, you know, buffet all these companies with emails. You, you guys get them all the time in your in your Gmail and things like that. We get them at corporate locations as well. And, you know, in some cases you can easily tell that it's it's illegitimate, but in some cases you can't. And we've actually been brought into situations where somebody's clicked on an email and I've seen them. They look completely legitimate. Um, they like to, to fake out UPS emails and things like that. And you don't even know it's not UPS uh, unless you hover over the link that you're getting ready to click. click and you can kind of see that link preview and then you can see it's not going to UPS.com. And so... Mm-hmm. A lot of the times the payloads are delivered via email to these companies. Well, I know uh, my, my law firm gets these things all the time, and I'm always trying to educate uh, the, the folks in my law firm about uh, the difference between legitimate emails and how to spot them. And more from what you just said, even if they look fantastic, you really have to go by timing and context, don't you? In other words, if I'm not expecting an email uh, from FedEx, or I'm not expecting something from Amazon, then if it suddenly pops up, maybe that's a clue in context. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You shouldn't, shouldn't, you know, uh, people like to have, you know, what I call like Christmas surprises, right? Like, oh man, I'm going to get a package all of a sudden. And then you click on the email and, hmm. and uh, lo and behold, you've, you've clicked on something you shouldn't have. So, yeah, yeah, you'll get, you'll get a present. All right. Important for sure. Hey, the group behind this particular attack, at least reportedly called Darkside, uh, has Russian connections. But at least what I've been seeing publicly, Nick Powers, they've said it's not about politics. It's just strictly about money. So uh, what you described in terms of these emails that come in, that's typically referred to as phishing with a PH. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep, you are correct. And I also understand that even sometimes... Uh, USB drives can be a culprit in exposing a closed network to uh, an outside source of information. Yeah, it's definitely proximity plays a big part. And in, in if you want to load a payload into a, into a network, um, you typically don't see that very often. Um, you know, at the end of the day, criminals are, these cyber criminals are very lazy. They just want to <laughs> take the easy way out and send things. But uh, in in the case of Colonial, I mean, this was a strategic, uh, yes. well-thought-through tactical attack that, that people, you know, leveraged specific tools that uh, uh, potentially even, um, you know, they, they use social engineering or other things to get, uh, you know, infiltrate the company and to get that payload uh, into colonial systems. Uh, it didn't get in, as far as we can tell, into the industrial network, but it definitely got into the, uh, the headquarter network, and they were worried that it might uh, infect the industrial network, so they shut the pipeline down. Hmm. Well, we're talking to Nick Powers. He's, of course, the vice president at Uncommon. It's a technology consulting company, and and uh, Mr. Powers is based over at Scott Air Force Base in O'Fallon, Illinois. And I understand uh, that this hacker group, DarkSide, is now is now really joining the ranks of true capitalism because they're selling an easy-to-use kit to other hacker groups so that these other groups can replicate their success in holding companies hostage. So if that kind of activity is going on, Nick Powers, do you see ransomware attacks becoming an increasing trend? Yeah, so Brad, what you're referring to is this new um, idea of ransomware as a service. And so uh, we believe over the last year or so, this group, DarkSide, got together. They uh, aggregated multiple tools 
um, you know, it's kind of very similar to how we how we run businesses today, right? We're trying to make things easier, more intuitive to use. Well, they built a dashboard with all these uh, easy buttons and everything else uh, to tie all these tools together. So it makes it very easy for you to attack a company. I will say some of the details we've seen is they actually vet um, people to make sure that uh, they do not attack hospitals and a few other things, uh, if that makes you feel any better. But uh, So the they criminals are, with a conscience, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I, I I guess that's what it is, Brad, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Well, and, and they're not just limiting it to to uh, uh, to ransomware because one of the other stories that was big this week, it was kind of overshadowed, of course, by the Colonial Pipeline because of the impact that the Colonial Pipeline closure has had on the southeast uh, part of the country. But uh, another hacker group, I, I couldn't determine whether this was Darkside or not, but apparently... They penetrated the Washington, D.C. Police Department, and they've been releasing personal information of police officers, including their psychological evaluations, their credit history, and even their social security numbers. So these phishing attacks that can be as innocuous as an email that shows up in your inbox, this stuff isn't just limited to ransomware attacks, is it? Well, actually, it's kind of the evolution of ransomware over time. So when they initially started rolling this software out, um, these attacks back, I'd say roughly four to five years ago, the typical ransomware delivery was it got in your network and encrypted all your files and then basically called home and said, hey, you know, we've got a target for you to reach out to, to you know, ransom uh, the de- decryption key. Um, what they've done is they've evolved now and as as it encrypts the data in your network, it actually opens up holes and sends unencrypted data to the cyber criminals, you know, home servers. And so essentially what they're doing is they're, they're, they're kind of making sure that you pay the ransom by saying, Hey, look, not only have we screwed up all your company's uh, infrastructure, but we now have all your data and mm-hmm. we're going to extort you. We're going to, you know, put this stuff on the web. Uh, it could be sensitive data. It could be trade secrets. It could be a lot of things. And so, you know, what companies were doing previously was, you know, it's only localized to my network. They didn't steal my data. I'll just restore from backups. But now these criminals have have the data, and that's kind of part of the setup. And so now you're, like, incentivized to pay the pay the bounty, pay the ransom. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, I mean, I, someone listening right now, and, of course, we're talking to Nick Powers. He's the vice president at Uncommon. It's a technology consulting company. But, Nick, uh, a lot of people who are listening to this right now are saying, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I'm all backed up. But when you're talking about ransomware, a lot of times, doesn't the ransomware do one of two things? Either, number one, it uses encryption so that you can't access your own data, even if it's backed up. Or or secondly, uh, the, the, the virus is implanted, so when you back up and it has a time bomb release, so in essence, when you're backing up your computers, you're also backing up the ransomware uh, trigger that will eventually even encrypt your backups. Is that a thumbnail sketch as to how that can work? Brad, if I didn't know better, I'd, I'd say you were uh, of the cybersecurity guild uh, that we typically work with. Uh, that was a great kind of rundown for sure. Um, yeah, so it, it's very important to back up your files, um, especially nowadays. There's a lot of really great tools like cloud-based file system backups, such as Dropbox, Box. Uh, Microsoft's got a product called OneDrive. You can use Google Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that does is, you know, like you said, if you back up your systems, but you back it up to another server in your network that's not separated from the other systems, 
when that ransomware runs wild, it's going to go over to your backup system and encrypt those files as well, and then you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, what you need to do is either move those to, uh, you know, uh, external backup drives and or ship that stuff out via a, a, sure, a secure connection to, you know, one of these new cloud provider uh, capabilities so you can, you know, make sure that you're protected from a ransomware uh, attack in that case. Yeah, it could be air-gapped. But uh, but in, in this instance, though, uh, I mentioned that, that I've got a law firm here in, in St. Louis and, uh, you know, we're a small company. And so I think a lot of folks think this is just an issue for big companies. But big companies also have the resources to devote to hiring experts like you to keep them safe. But maybe smaller companies may not and they might actually be more vulnerable. So this isn't just an issue, is it, for big companies? Oh, absolutely not. In fact, uh you know, you, you add up enough attacks on small companies and you, you, you make yourself a pretty good living. Um, you know, we've, we get calls all the time. Uh, I would say we've gotten about five calls in the last couple of weeks just from small, small and local companies, even, even a local police department that got hit. And the interesting thing about this is these criminals aren't idiots. They know that if they hit a mom and pop business that they're not going to get a million dollars out of them. And so they, they, they go the route of, you know what, pay us $500. Uh, and now it becomes a, a business decision. Is it mm-hmm. worth 500 bucks to get the decryption key and, and just get, get on with life? Or do I want to fight this? Do I want to try to restore from backups? Do I want to, you know, you know, go through that whole process of restoring everything? Uh, obviously, like you said before, you, even if you do buy the decryption key, you really have to make sure your network's clear of any other issues. But, you know, the, they they attack everybody. It's it's all about money, and and you know it's, it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, you, you talk about the cost of doing business. Apparently, Colonial Pipeline felt that five million dollars was it was better to pay the ransom uh, than it was to try to restore from backups that may even themselves be infected. So uh, even if a company can't afford five million, if they're a small company, you're right. Uh, a five hundred dollar ransom fee. Uh, for a, a small mom and pop company, that may seem worth it. You multiply that by ten thousand mom and pop companies, and uh, you know now we're talking about some real money. Hey, uh, Nick Powers, if folks want to get more information on your company and what possibly uncommon can do for them, how can they reach you? Yeah, so we're on the web www.uncommn.com. It's spelled a little di- differently. Um, another way to get a hold of us, too, is we've set up a special inbox for people that have cybersecurity issues. And so it's cyberhack, C-Y-B-E-R-H-A-C-K, at uncommon.com, U-N-C-O-M-N.com. And uh, feel free to reach out. Feel free to send an email. We love to help folks. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, we're just trying to get small businesses back on their feet. It's not about a a consulting engagement for us. It's about, you know, giving back and making sure people can continue to grow. I mean, not too long ago, we were only a business of 10 people. Today, we're about 225 people. And, hmm. and we know what it means to be a small business and what it takes to, to grow up here in St. Louis. So um, we're, we're definitely here to help. Very good. Nick Powers, Vice President at Uncommon. Thanks so much for joining us this evening on X. Thanks a lot, Brad. Great talking to you. Great information here on The Voice of St. Louis. We'll be back right after this. Dependable. Traffic and weather together on the 10s. Weekday mornings on The Voice of St. Louis. KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young here. Winding down the show just here for a few more minutes 
If you've got something uh, particularly on your mind, we do have a few minutes left. 314-436-7900. Uh, some of the texts we've been getting in the last uh, 30 minutes or so is a lot of discussion about shooting this movie on the space station. And a couple of folks uh, are wondering, what does it cost? What do you have to pay NASA to shoot a movie on the International Space Station? And, you know, I don't know. I, I've i actually researched that because I had the same question. You know, if you want to come and shoot a movie at my house, I'm going to charge you for it. But if I charge too much, you know, you're just going to go to somebody else's house. But if you want to shoot a movie on the space station, you don't really have any other choices. So, I mean, China hasn't even put one up yet. They've got a, a small lab that it can stick a few people in, but it's not really a space station. So you're not going to have any other choices. you got a monopoly on the space station. So I, I don't know what you charge. I know that the biggest cost of getting there, obviously, is for the launch vehicle Elon Musk is providing that, but, you know, I don't think he's providing it for free. I don't think it's like, hey, pal, here's the keys to my Tesla. Don't wreck it. You know, he's not it, – it's not going to be that kind of a backslap deal if you're going to be launching a rocket up to the uh, up to the space station. So I don't know what the costs are, but I, I want to keep looking into that because, to me, that that <laughs> it's a good question is what does it cost? But then again, if you've got uh, the producers – behind Tom Cruise's movie, they can probably afford to pay because you know the money's the 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 movie's gonna make a billion dollars. You just know it. Because every movie that takes place in space that you have ever seen, I don't care how engaged you get in the movie, at some point during the movie you're wondering, yeah, how do they do that special effect? But if you go see this Tom Cruise movie and it's at the space station, it's not going to be a special effect. It's going to be the real deal. And uh, and so everyone's going to want to see it. They're going to want to see it on a big screen, and they're probably going to want to see it more than once. Not, you know, that's not the kind of movie you watch on your phone, okay? So you're going to want to go see that at the big on the big screen. So the movie's going to make a lot of money, so they can afford to uh, you know shell out the Benjamins for that movie because it will, it will be bringing in the dough, that is for sure. Uh, one other thing here in the in the couple of minutes that we have left, uh, Monday night, I was mentioning that Washington, D.C. was trying to basically redo the movie Footloose. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, they banned dancing at, mo- at uh, weddings in Washington, D.C. because of COVID. They banned dancing. And I, I thought, I mean, where's Kevin Bacon here? Is going to come in, and who's in charge of this? Is, is it John Lithgow who's in charge of banning the dancing at weddings in Washington, D.C.? Well, I, I didn't know, but I should have known. But Monday evening, of course, a lawsuit was filed by a bride-to-be who's filed a lawsuit against the irrational and unconstitutional restriction on dancing. Now, I don't even have to tell you what the cause of action is. But because you, you know, if you think about it, if someone's going to sue for the right to dance, the best way to do it is to allege what? A violation of your First Amendment freedom of speech. Because dancing can be speech. That's how 
That's how all of the strip clubs used to get around the lawsuits or get around the the ordinances. They say, "Well, it's a freedom of speech." Well, you know, at a strip club, I, I don't I don't think that's particularly a, a freedom of speech activity that's going on there. But at weddings, they're filing a lawsuit stating freedom of speech and. It's an unconstitutional ban on my freedom of speech under the First Amendment. So I hope that lawsuit prevails. I'll be watching that, and I'll be updating you shortly. Brad Young, at your service tonight on KMOX. Thanks for staying up late. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.